sins so I don't get tired and I can work on other things. And when I, when I'm preaching, focusing on what God has, you know, for me to share, it's very hard to work on other things, other administrative things, as you can imagine. And so when I'm, when I'm not have to focus on preaching, then I get to focus on other things that he puts on my heart to do. And, you know, uh, about a month ago, you know, and sometimes I just get tired of my emotions or just in a place where I have a hard time focusing or concentrating or, or pulling on God to receive what he has for you. And I came to a point like that about a month ago, and I was like, man, I... Because every time I was trying to pray to receive the message, my emotions were just clouded with just stuff I was going on emotionally in my soul. And so I was very grateful that I was able to call on Greg and Cornell and say, hey, I know it's kind of last minute because I usually give him a couple, you know, weeks or months to say, hey, can you preach on these dates? I said, I know it's four days before, but would you mind taking the pulpit for a couple of weeks? And they both said, we'd be glad to. So I appreciate having brothers like that, Cornell and, and Greg, who, uh, who do a great job. Um, brothers that I can trust. I don't ever have to ask them, hey, what are you preaching? Let me check your notes before you get up here because I trust them. I know them. We work together. And obviously, we're not the only ones that, that share the pulpit, but they, those are the main guys. So, uh, and I hear sometimes, sometimes people come, they want to hear me um, and I'm not here, or I'm here, but I'm not preaching. And I'm like, when is CJ going to preach? I'll ask my wife that. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know if he ever preaches anymore. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so that, I just wanted to explain. That's what we do. Uh, we share that together. So, but here I am. The Lord has put some things in my heart. And it's so funny because I enjoy and appreciate the date, the time off. Like I said, the focus on other things. But then man, when the Lord puts something in my heart, I just can't wait. It's like, come on, hurry up, Cornell. Hurry up, Greg. I'm ready to get back up there. I'm ready to... Just have a passion to, to share the word with God's people. So, uh, but I have a question. Ask how many of you are hungry? Anybody hungry? For food. Yeah, I'm talking about for food. <laughs> talking about for food. How many of you are hungry? All right, well, I got something for you. You ready for that video? Got something for you.
Anybody hungry? <laughs> Are we having a potluck today? Oh, no, we're not. Sorry. You know, the interesting thing about that, if you were just a little bit hungry, you're probably very hungry right now. And also, you can, you can watch that same video, and if you're not hungry at all, if you just finish eating a big meal, that can actually be nauseating to you. You know what I mean? I mean, you look at it and you're hungry, it's like, oh my goodness, I can't wait to get some of that. But if, after you've eaten a lot, that same thing would turn you off. Because you're full. And you have no desire for any more food unless, until your food is digested. Uh, I'm going to turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Read that verse. I think they got it up there. We'll have it up there. Matthew 5, verse 6. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. What does it mean to hunger and thirst? It means to crave ardently, to seek with eager desire. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled, or they shall be satisfied. The word filled means satisfied. Matthew 6, 33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. That word seek means to seek after, to seek for, aim at, and to strive after. So we're told it's important to that blessed are those who hunger and thirst, which means to crave ardently, to seek with eager desire. And then he says to seek his kingdom, which means to seek after, to seek for, aim at, and strive after. 1 Corinthians 14.1. It says pursue love and desire. Was that you? Was that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, now. Yeah, do you need to get her, Kim? All right, First Corinthians 14, 1. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And that word pursue, forgot to write the Greek word down. I couldn't pronounce it anyway. But that word pursue says to pursue in a hostile manner, to seek after eagerly, earnestly endeavor to acquire. And then desire which is zelao, the Greek word. It means to burn with zeal, to be heated, or to boil with envy, hatred, or anger. In a good sense, to be zealous in the pursuit of good. And so I find it interesting that, that in these verses, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. They shall be satisfied. And to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. And the words it's using to describe are very passionate words. It's, it's, they're emotional words to ardently go after. You know, another word for desire, spiritual gifts, is lust after. So God is telling us that we should lust after to aggressively go after his kingdom stuff. Seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and these other things that you need. If you look at the context, it was talking about their needs. Because he says, many, too many people, 
They go after this stuff. They go after what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat, or where they're going to live, and that kind of thing. They make that their priority. And Jesus is saying, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and these other things will be taken care of. Take care of God's business, and he'll take care of your business. But I found it interesting that the words he used to describe how we're to go after these things, to crave ardently, to seek with eager desire, to aim, strive after, to seek with, uh, after eagerly, earnestly endeavor to acquire, to burn with zeal, to be heated or to boil. So he's encouraging us to come after him, come after his stuff, come after his kingdom with a passion. And I remember a number of, well, I guess it was a few months ago, Lisa talked about passion. You know, God is passionate for us. And many of you have seen that movie called The Passion of Christ. Anybody seen that movie? And it shows how he suffered and went through all that horrendous stuff for you and me. And it's interesting because I never really thought about the passion of Christ, the passion of Christ, the passion of Christ. And it dawned on me, what is the passion? You are his passion. It's like, wow, that made sense. You are the passion of Christ. And the reason why he went through all that stuff was so he can have you. You ever thought of that? If you haven't seen that movie, I would encourage you to see it. It's a very graphic display of what it probably looked like when what Jesus went through. And actually, he had to tone it down. The reality of what he went through was, is probably too graphic to put on the screen. But when you realize that he is passionate about you, and then he in turn tells us to passionately go after him, to be hungry, to even lust for, to be zealous in pursuit. What are the things we're supposed to thirst after? His righteousness, his kingdom, kingdom of God, which means royal power, kingship, dominion, rule. Not to be confused with an actual kingdom, but rather the right or authority to rule over a kingdom. Of the royal power of Jesus as the triumphant Messiah. Of the royal power and dignity conferred on Christians in the Messiah's kingdom. A kingdom, the territory subject to the rule of a king. And used in the New Testament to refer to the reign of the Messiah. We are to seek first his kingdom, his kingdom rule, his righteousness, which is, and righteousness, integrity, virtue, purity of life, righteousness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. This is what we're supposed to, we're supposed to pursue. His kingdom in our lives, the right way to think, the right way to act, which is like Jesus would act. We're supposed to be like Jesus, right? So we're invited by him to passionately crave, thirst, hunger for him and the things that he has available. He wants his kingdom to manifest through his people here on this planet. You know, there's a scripture I forgot to write down. It's somewhere in one of the gospels. It says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That's kind of a strange verse, isn't it? The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Now, I'm not too understanding on what all that means in that verse. But the one thing I get out of that, that to get his stuff, it takes being aggressive. The violent take it by force. We have to aggressively go after it. And I don't think it's, it's because God is stingily holding back. 
And he doesn't really want to give it to us. And so we have to fight God to get it. I believe the effort is on what we have to push aside, the distractions, the cares of the world, the things that would fight against our war against our souls that would keep us from passionately going after it. That's what I believe it means when it's saying the violent will take it by force. We cannot be passive. We have to be aggressive in going after the things, the things of his kingdom. Amen? Hunger and thirst. And you know, if you're hungry, and that video made you even more hungry, just like we hunger for food, or you know you get a craving, it's like, man, i got to have me some ice cream right now. Or i got to have me, you know, the thing that really messed me up on that video was that filet mignon. Man, that just tore me up. I mean, it hurt my feelings. And then my wife says, I know where you're taking me on our next date. Yeah. Clicks, here he come. But how we crave for that is how God wants us to crave for him and his kingdom. It's like, God, I just want to be close to you. I want your kingdom to manifest through me so that you become glorified greater and greater. Have you ever realized that you were really, that you really weren't hungry for something that you should be hungry for? Have you ever realized that you really weren't hungry for something that you should be hungry for? Happened to me not too long ago. I was talking to a sister here in the church. Whose name I won't mention, but her and her brand new husband are not here today. I don't know why. Don't know if they got the priorities right. Kalen. Anyway, I was talking to her. And those of you who know her, if you, you talk to her, she's pretty passionate about Jesus. And her and I were talking about revival and just her passion for revival. And it was interesting because as she was, as we were talking... All of a sudden, I recognize something in me. It's like, wait a minute. She's passionate about revival. I used to be. But I found myself not being passionate at that moment. It's like, wait a minute. What's going on? Whoa, time out. And I wasn't, you know, because typically when I talk about things of God, it's like, you know, with that aggressiveness. But I realized and recognized that at that point, it was almost as if I could take it or leave it. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be cool. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, throughout the Christian lingo to make her think that I'm just as passionate as she is. You know, putting up that facade. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I want revival. Yeah. After kickoff. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck is going on? Not didn't tell her this, because I was I had the facade up, you know, but inside I'm thinking, what is going on? I wasn't as hungry as I should be, or as I used to be. And I had this analogy, I had this thought, being hungry for something you should be, but you're not. It's kind of like if my wife, she knows, well, I was going to say she knows my favorite dishes, but it's like anything she cooks is my favorite these days. Points, points. 
But there are a couple of things that she makes that me and the boys just tear up. It's our favorite. Her meatloaf and her fried chicken. (laughs) Can I get a witness? (laughs) So it's like, honey, when are you going to, can you make me some meatloaf? She goes, sure, I'll make you some meatloaf. It's like, yes. So when she, you know, so what if she was going to make her meatloaf? And uh, I come home, and on my way home, I stop by the come and go, which is on my way home. I stop by come and go, and I grab a couple of bags of chips, a couple of candy bars, 44 ounce of cherry vanilla Sprite. And I suck all that stuff down, all that junk food. And then I get home, and Lisa says, honey, I know I didn't tell you this, but I made your meatloaf. And I say, typically, if she tells me, I'm like, yes, hallelujah, heaven on earth. But if I had eaten all that stuff... Am I going to be hungry for that? I'm not going to be hungry. I should be, and I normally would be because it's my favorite. But if I filled myself with other stuff, junk food, then I'm not going to be hungry for something that I should be. Here's what the Holy Spirit was telling me. The reason why you're not hungry for me is because you've been snacking on and filling your soul up with soul food. And so when it comes to being hungry, I'm not hungry because I've been snacking. I've been snacking on some stuff. Now, how did I know that? When I was talking to my sister, her passion was not matched with my passion. I recognized something was wrong. Have you ever got around somebody who's spiritually more hungry than you are? You know, when you're in that situation that someone is just passionate about the kingdom, passionate about Jesus, and they're just like, I know people like that. I got friends like that. I won't mention any names, Stephen. But either when you're with those people, your encounter with them will do two of three things. First of all, it will reveal your current level of hunger for the things of God. It will reveal your current level. If I'm with Stephen, and he's just blowing up and just about kingdom, then I'll recognize how hungry am I. Because either what he's saying will irritate me, It's like, yeah, 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 uh uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, bro, yeah. Can we talk about something else? Please. So either when I'm with someone and they're more spiritually hungry than I am, that'll either irritate me or it will provoke me. It'll provoke me. And it'll stir up in me a jealousy. It's like, you know what? I want some of that. It's like, God, bring it. I want more. And the Bible says that we are, one reason why we're to be together, we're to hang out together with fellow brothers and sisters. Now people, you know, I get tired of people saying, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. No, you don't. But if you want to grow up into his fullness, you do need to hang out with brothers and sisters. You do need to fellowship with the body of Christ. And one of the reasons is we're supposed to, especially as the day be, as the day draws near, sin in this world is increasing, wickedness is increasing, and we're supposed to stir one or another up to love and good works. We are supposed to provoke one another to passion for Jesus. 
Because the world, the, the stuff of this world that buffets us, it hits us, it distracts us, it gets our mind and soul all clouded up. And if I stay away and stay by myself and stay isolated, then I can become consumed with the stuff of the world. But if I get around my brothers and sisters who are hungry and passionate for Him, then they should provoke me. Or at least they're going to reveal the condition of my heart, my soul. And it's like, okay, am I going to stay irritated and move away? Or am I going to say, God, I'm not satisfied with this at all. I want some of that. I want that passion. And am I going to allow myself to be stirred up? So when you're around those people, happen to be married to one, which is cool, because I don't have to go anywhere. But when you're around people who are just passionate for Jesus, does it irritate you or does it stir you up? Right now, do a little, allow the Holy Spirit to do a, a soul check, a heart check. Because so you can do like I was doing with Caitlin. I can put on the facade. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, sister. Amen. I can do all that. But I'm tired of all that. I want him. I want his kingdom. And I want everything he has for me. As I said before, I am a very greedy Christian. And I believe that it glorifies Jesus and satisfies him when we all become greedy for the things of the kingdom and we get and grab a hold of and make use of what he paid for. It does him no good, brings him no glory when he's paid for all this stuff and we just let it sit there. Do you think he bled and died and went through that horrendous torture just so we can say, oh, that was nice. That was so sweet, Jesus. Thank you so much. You're so kind. No. He wants us to take a hold of what he made available. He wants us to be dispensers of hope. We have hope because we are in him. There are many people who don't have any hope. There are many people who are hurting, broken, dying on their way to hell very fast. And he, who's passionate about you, wants us to do something about them. Because he's passionate about them too. So what's the big deal about this hunger thing? There's a lot at stake. Because if I'm not hungry for his stuff, then I'm not going to go after it. I'm going to casually pursue it when I have time, when my shows are not on, when the football game's over. And people on my watch are going to be dying and going to hell. And it's not going to move me. Because I'm not hungry for his things. You know, I told you a while ago that I recognized that I hadn't been paying attention to people. That I didn't really care like I used to. There was a time when I was very aware of people. And so wherever I went... I made myself aware and I would watch and look for opportunities to impact. And then I realized for the last couple of years, people were invisible. It was totally about when I went to Walmart or wherever, it was about me getting what I went there to get. I got it, paid for it, and went on my way. And didn't even think about the opportunity to reach out to anybody. Condition of my soul. When the Holy Spirit 
brought that to my awareness. And you know, when he brings something like that to your awareness, he doesn't do that to condemn you. He says, son, look where you are. You want to stay there? Or are you going to let me do something about it? I said, can we wait till after the football game? Sometimes that's what I think. But I recognized where I was. I embraced his invitation. I said, Lord, bring it. I'm sick of this. I'm tired of this. He says, okay. Come hang out with me. Come spend time with me. We're going to talk more about that next week. But spending time with him, reading his word, hungering for him. You know, there was something I heard a preacher say this week. He says, in the natural, you don't eat to become more hungry. In the spiritual, you eat to become more hungry. Makes sense, doesn't it? So I started eating. And I find myself becoming more hungry. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be filled. As I have been intentionally making myself aware of people again, and basically that's just loving Jesus, letting them love on you, and then your heart begins to beat with the things that cause his heart to beat. And that's people. Plain and simple. And so I just open my heart to him, and then he says, look at these people. It's like, wow. I was in a nursing home the other day, and I almost had one of those moments. I was sitting there talking to Cecil. I had one of my sons with me. We were sitting there in the cafeteria. All of a sudden, I just started looking around. All these elderly people. And I could feel that heart thing. of Jesus. And I recognized what was about to happen. I was like, no, nah, uh-uh, not going there right now. Mm-mm. My heart was about to explode because I started looking at people and seeing people. And it's like, wow. I remember years ago when I lived in Bennett, the um, residence hall, Bennett at OSU. And I'd been praying, God. Break my heart with the things that break your heart. Break my heart for the things that break your God, I want to love people like you love people. And I kept praying that over and over and over. It's like, be careful what you pray for. And I just kept praying. It's like a hammer just hitting, hitting, boom, boom, boom. God, God, please break my heart. God, God, God. And you know, when you pray those things, he doesn't necessarily do it on your timetable. And he doesn't say, okay, I'm going to answer that right now. He doesn't warn you all the time. But I remember when he came upon me, when it hit me, boom. I was in the cafeteria, minding my own business, eating my food, enjoying it very well. And the Holy Spirit said, look up. And I looked up and I saw people, no one knew. I knew pretty much everyone's name in the cafeteria that I was, because I live with these people. The athletes didn't live there, but that was where they used to come and eat their meals, the football players, basketball players. So I was familiar with them, got to know them. And so I was very familiar with these people that I was looking at. But he said, look up. And I was looking. He said, see him? See her? See? I remember this one guy. His name was Sean. 
guy who was very antagonistic towards Christians. But he and I seem to have this kind of love-hate relationship. I said, see him? And I looked at him. And typically he's a guy that gets on my nerves, irritates me. But all of a sudden there was a different emotion welling up inside of me towards him. I looked at her. I looked at him. I looked at all these people. And all of a sudden I felt this volcano beginning to rumble. And it just kept building and building and building. It's like, uh-oh. So I jumped up, ran and put my tray over in the conveyor, you know, took care of that. Ran out of the cafeteria, ran upstairs, could barely get my keys out to get my door open. And as soon as I got the door open, ran in my room, I just busted out in emotion. This emotion came up in, like a volcano and just, just exploded. And I know I've shared this before, but for the sake of illustration, I'm sharing it again. I was crying so hard that it hurt. I mean, it hurt. You know, the, the stomach muscles tightening and just sobbing and sobbing uncontrollably. And the, the fluid that was starting to come out of my nose and all that emotion is just crying hard, hard, hard. And it's like, I'm going to die. I really felt that. I, thought, I can't take this. I'm going to die. It was overwhelming. It was moving to the point of overwhelming. And I thought I was going to pass out or whatever. And as it was building, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, this is my heart for these people. I said, I can't take it. Please stop. And it stopped just like that. He said, I just wanted to give you a taste of my heart for people. Because there's no way I could handle his heart. There's no way. But when I realized the passion that he has for people, it almost overwhelmed me. That's why this is so important. Because people are at stake. And he wants us to do something about them. Does anybody in here know Pastor Leroy Hawkins? Raise your hand. If you know Leroy. Okay, now those of you who know him more than just an acquaintance... In other words, you know him to where if you see him, you might embrace, get a hug from him. Minimum shake his hand, but more get an embrace. You guys know or understand what I'm about to say. If you encounter Leroy Hawkins, then when you leave him, you're going to smell like Leroy Hawkins. You guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? He wears a certain kind of cologne. I don't know what it's called. Smells nice. He's worn it for years. I've known this man since I was in college. Every time I'd hug him, embrace him, just a sweetheart of a man. I mean, the guy is awesome. But I'd embrace him and I'd walk. In an hour later, it's like, I smell like Leroy. Hey, that smells pretty good. He has an aroma about him that when you encounter him, you're going to walk away smelling like Leroy. That's what Holy Spirit wants with us. That when we encounter people, our aroma rubs off on them. And that aroma is the kingdom of heaven. When we encounter people, the fragrance of heaven should be left on them. That's what God wants to happen through us. 
everyday life, every opportunity, we encounter people. And not just through evangelistic outreach opportunities, which those are cool, those are awesome, but just everyday life. When you're doing your grocery shopping, when you're heading to work or you're at work, or you're going to class, or whatever you're doing, you say, Holy Spirit, I want to be people's opportunity to encounter you. I want to be someone's opportunity to encounter you. And you just let him lead you. We have no idea the impact we can have on people and what it would do, what it can do to their lives. A simple word of encouragement. You know, it's, it's crazy. This world has be, gotten so dark that a simple word of encouragement to somebody is so blatantly different. It's crazy. Because everything is so negative. People complain, complain, complain. It's like whatever we can find to complain about, we're going to complain. I remember one time I, I was doing an experiment, and I was sitting, I, I went to um, Brahms. I bought my lunch, and I sat down. It was during the lunch hour. It was crowded. I did it on purpose. And I just sat there, and my goal was to eavesdrop. So I was very nosy. And so I was tuning in and listening Two conversations around me. So I'd kind of tune into this one over here. I tuned out, tuned into this one, just all around me. I was just listening to conversations, every single one of them, without fail. They were either gossiping or they were complaining. All of them. Because I was doing a message on grumbling and complaining, so I had to get some information. But it proved the point that that's what our culture is saturated with. Grumbling, complaining, negative, negative, negative. The news is all about, you know, bad headline. Bad news makes great headlines. So when you watch the news, it's all about fear. It's all about Ebola. It's all about the world coming to an end. It's all about the stuff. Fear, fear, fear. Negative, negative, negative. And so it's dark and scary. And then all of a sudden... You decide to let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify Him. And you decide to share a word of encouragement. Or you decide just to love on somebody in a way that totally they weren't expecting. And just allow heaven just to kiss them. Bam! In a wonderful way. It's been amazing just making myself aware of people and then I've intentionally just started in, encountering people with the intent of heaven encountering them. And it's not big evangelistic, pre I don't put my preach on and go off on them. Turn or burn, baby. You know, give them some sermon, the, the, the Romans road and all that kind of, I mean, I could throw that at them. But I just look for opportunities. I was walking out of Walmart two days ago. And there was a lady parked next to my vehicle, next to my truck. So I was walking that direction and she was putting her son, I believe it was her son, in his car seat. And as I, I was walking that direction, I looked at her. Holy Spirit said, tell her. 
tell her that she's an incredible mom and she's doing a great job. Okay. So I had to pass her anyway. And I didn't do it the most smoothly way. Because I walked up to her and, and she looked at me and I said, Excuse me, can I tell you something? That's not the way to approach a stranger. She looked at me and it's like, what is she supposed to say? No. It was kind of, and I don't usually approach it that way, but I was a little nervous and so I met. But anyway, I said, excuse me, can I tell you something? And she looked at me and I said, I just want you to know you're an amazing mom and you're doing an incredible job. Now, pause for a second. I don't know this lady from Adam. All I know, she could be abusive to her children, her child. Holy Spirit knows. He said to me, tell her. And I didn't say, now, Lord, is that true? I won't be making stuff up now. And it was either one of two things that happened. Well, when I said that to her, she kind of looked at me. Her countenance changed. Everything changed. It went from awkward, like, uh-oh, the stranger's about to, I don't know what he's about to do. I think she put her hand in her pocket and grabbed that can of mace. <laughs> it was coming up. But I said, you're an amazing mom. You're doing a great job. Or something to that effect. And her countenance just lit up. She said, God bless you. Now here's one of two things that I think in my mind, because like I said, I don't know that lady. Never seen her before. One of two things. She wasn't a good mom in the natural. But Jesus was offering grace in that moment, declaring a prophetic word. With a prophetic word comes grace to change your circumstances. Saying, you are a great mom. Her thinking, I'm a horrible mom. But wow, she embraces that grace. Her circumstances begin to change. Either that or she was a great mom and she needed affirmation because she was having a horrible day. It's like, wow, thank you. Or it could be something else. I have no idea. But who knows the impact that had on her? We don't know. I didn't preach at her. I didn't throw scripture at her. After I said that, I said, I, after she was standing there, stunned and her countenance slip, I said, I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you that. Because I wanted to clarify those, or quantify those words so she would know that it was connected to him and not just some guy trying to, whatever. I said, I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you that. You and I have the opportunity to make an incredible impact on people's lives. But if we do not hunger for the things of God and his kingdom, then guess what? It's not going to happen, is it? Or it's not going to happen too often. How many of you have noticed my two friends up here? Anybody? Let this be a picture of your spiritual hunger. The size. Okay? Which one are you and which one do you desire to be? Okay, this is, this is heart time now. Which one are you and which one do you desire to be? As far as your hunger, your passion for God. 
Now, would you do me a favor and close your eyes for a second until I tell you to open them? Okay? Humor me. Just close your eyes until I tell you to open them. No peeking. Okay, you can open your eyes. Now, which one would you like to be? This one or this one? Close your eyes again. Don't peek. No peeking. Okay, you can open your eyes. Now, which one do you want to represent your spiritual hunger? This one or this one? Let's not stay this way. Would you please stand with me? Imagine. Hello. Imagine if this represented our hunger for God in comparison to this little puppy dog right here. Imagine the impact that we would have on this community. Imagine the impact that we would have on the world if this represented our spiritual hunger. Catch my drift? Now let's do something dangerous. Let's pray and ask God to increase our hunger so that it matches this little bear right here. Are you with me? Now, this is dangerous. This is no light thing. Now, this is pretty light, but it's no light thing that we're talking about. Because he has to make some changes. Next week, we're going to talk practically how to increase our hunger. But it starts with giving our heart to him, surrendering our hearts to him, letting him have his way. And deal with, take out whatever needs to be taken out or dealt with so that we can allow him to grow our hunger. So if you would pray with me, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we do recognize your invitation to hunger for you, for your kingdom, for your stuff. And we do surrender our hearts. And we know this is no light thing, Father, and... and We just want you. We want more of what you have for us. We want your kingdom to manifest through us. So lives are changed, so destinies are altered. So whole families are saved. People are healed and delivered and introduced to the king. We want that, Father. Increase our hunger 
so that we lust and thirst and hunger for your righteousness, your kingdom, O God. We want our hearts to beat with the things that make your heart beat, Jesus. We know what you're passionate about. You are all about your father's business. And you are all about loving people. And that's what we want. So we give you permission to do heart surgery. To remove the stuff that's taken away our hunger. Remove the illness that's causing us to lose our appetite. And we choose to cooperate with you, Father, as you do this surgery on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so as he just loves on you this week and encourages you and challenges you and all those kinds of things, be sensitive to him and just cooperate. Amen? Amen. You guys have an incredible... Oh, one thing I just want to encourage you about, practical way to feed on hunger, to increase that hunger, Wednesday night. This Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, right here. An incredible message, incredible word. Ina Rose is going to be sharing. She shared last week. Watch the, watch the video from last Wednesday. She's going to continue this week, and it's awesome. So come on out Wednesday night. All right? God bless you guys. Have an, have an incredible week. Mm-hmm.